Love a rugby league same-game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same-game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome back to the NRL All-Stars Podcast. Barnsley here, your host for the team previews, Roosters Knights Part 2. Chatting to Luke Garrity, big Knights fan, also the host of the Rugby League Cemetery Podcast. We had Part 1 where we discussed TLT a little bit, also went through the Roosters team preview, and now this is Part 2 here where me and Luke chat about the Knights. So get stuck into it, enjoy, and here we go. This is the one that Luke's going to go off about. So get ready, frog in a sock material here. We've got the Knights draw here. And it's significantly better than the Roosters, so I'm going to say that. They play the round 13 bye against the Bulldogs, which is great. They do the round 12 bye, which is their first bye, which is nice because you do get the first 11 rounds. Four out of the first six are at home in Newcastle, which I really like. Raiders is a good matchup. Uh, Cowboys away, not great. Storm at home, not great. Warriors is okay. Dragons, good one. Roosters and Bulldogs and Dolphins ran out the first two months. So, I mean, I think you can comfortably say that 50% of those in the first two months are going to be good matchups where you've got the Dogs, the Dolphins, the Dragons and the Raiders. I think all those teams are going to be out of the eight myself. Um, so I think they're pretty good matchups for them. If you go a little bit further, though, round nine, they go into the Warriors again for a second game. And that one's at Newcastle, which is nice for them. And they got the Tigers and the Titans before the bye. So if you expand it a little bit, you know, I would actually say that six out of those first 11 are actually premium matchups. They're, they're matchups that you really want. Um, and even though they do have the Storm in there, who, who can be hard to play against, they did leak a bit more last year. They don't have to play the Panthers. So, I mean, that's one thing. And they play the Roosters, you know, reasonably early in round six. So we don't know how, how we'll be going at that point. I like the matchups um, and I like the home and away for them as well. So to me, Luke, the draw was good. Um, I don't think they had a huge amount of changes. Jed Cartwright's come across, obviously. Tom Jenkins has come across. Pierce Paul's come across from Wigan. It's really, it's it's kind of evened out for me. You know, obviously, Stalwart, Lockie Fitzgibbon has gone and, and Dom Young is a big loss. I do think they'll miss Dom. Maybe they're a little bit, you know, reduced from the Dom Young loss, but otherwise pretty even and the draw looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you couldn't look at that draw and be put off if you were considering any of the Knights, if you think they're the guys to get, uh, nothing in the draw will put you off because they're either easy games or they're games that if you're backing the Knights to do well, then you expect them to be in those contests still. There's no one to play. If you're expecting them to do well, there's no one that you should really be writing off apart from maybe Brisbane and, and Penrith, everyone else they should be able to go well against. And they particularly have a lot of teams here that they should be able to put some points on if they're playing with So it comes down to how you think they're going to go. But... At the same time, there's there's a couple of attacking guys where I tend to think even if we don't go as well as some people are hoping we will, uh, these guys should still get a lot of points in these games anyway. So, you know, if Newcastle regressed to a sign of seven to 
7 to 12 team, I still see them being able to put big points on in some of these games. So I don't think that would hurt you too badly. It's hard to see much to put you off there. Yeah, I mean, I've got them in probably one of the biggest ranges out of any of the teams that I yeah, think will do. make the eight. Yeah. I think that they'll make the eight, but I've got them in like a five to 12 range. And part of that is because the first guy we're going to talk about, Caelan Pong, has played 18, 14, 14 and 18 games the last four years. And we know if Pong goes down there, they're in trouble. So, I mean, the five wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they're a top four team, but five wouldn't surprise me. More than likely, I think they're in that five to eight range, but... You know, I could see them as, as low as 12 if, if they get some injuries and some bad running. And if Adam O'Brien reverts back to the, the start of last year when people wanted to sack him. Um, yeah, I, I think they could make the top four, but I also think they could come 12th. I'm really not sure how they're going to go because um, they were a definite top four side for the last 10, 12 weeks of last year. Um, they wiped teams that people will think will come in the top four. They wiped Melbourne. They wiped Cronulla. Um they beat the, the, the Rabbitohs, obviously, have fallen away, but they, they still beat them. Um, they actually, like, without Ponga early in, in the year, they actually, like, went to Golden Point with Penrith. So, you know, there's evidence there that they can actually compete there. Even in Brisbane, they, they lost a the game against Brisbane by a try kind of in the last five minutes um, up in Brisbane in about round 12. So they can be a top-four side, but there is so much inconsistency in that team. Um, and a lot of guys with question marks and a lot of guys where we're basing how good we think they are based on how they went last year, but they don't have that long body of work of performing at that level. Um, so we're kind of a little bit um, in the dark. I, 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 I wouldn't stun me if they went out this year and they came third, but it would equally not stun me. That would upset me greatly if they finished 12th. I, I could <laughs> see either of those scenarios happening um, and the trial game, has me a little bit more pessimistic than I was before because they came out against Melbourne and looked uh, scarily like the Adam O'Brien Knights of the mm. entirety of his ten- tenure bar the last 10 weeks. Um, but it was a trial. It was, you know, 34-odd. It was so hot in Fiji and humid they actually delayed the start. And it was a weird game because Melbourne changed eight players at the 20-minute mark and they'd had four penalties in the first 20 minutes. So, then their B team kind of kept playing. The Knights left the whole best team of the whole half. So you had this weird situation where people were saying Melbourne don't even have the best players on, but they kind of ran two fresh sides and Newcastle took the opportunity to just put minutes into the players and just leave them out there. And it made them look a bit worse, as you can imagine, because, you, you know, it's a professional sport and they were playing against fresh people, but it didn't look that good. So they were good the week before, but they, they weren't great last week. So it remains to be seen. And I think they might be a bit of a run team. I think we might see a couple of losses in a row and three or four wins in a row. And, and it might come down to whether those streaks can go for long enough and whether they're running hot at the right end. Yeah. I, the things that don't instill confidence in me is I'm not sure if I believe in Adam O'Brien. And point two is I'm not sure if I can get around the forward pack. They need to step up and they probably need some young guys to start to come through for them. Um, someone like Lucas, if he starts playing great on that edge and, that's going to really help them. And lastly, uh, obviously Pong is great in that spine, but big question marks over nine and the halves as well and how they're going to go. It's interesting when you say the forward pack because I don't actually disagree with you. I think that is the the, the issue. But but the, the Safidi, like Daniel Safidi's won New South Wales Player of the Series before. Uh, Jacob's played two games in Origin and I would say was above average in both of them. And Leo Thompson was... Um, one of the best forwards on the ground in the in the final of the World Cup last year. And I will ex- exclude Thompson from that chat. I think Leo Thompson was really good last year and at no point has been inconsistent or let them down. He's been really good his whole career. But the frustrating thing is I actually think on paper there's nothing particularly wrong with the Knights forward pack, but the Safidis have a real difficulty 
doing it week in, week out. It's showing up. Well, I've almost written them off at this point, and and I haven't written them off as as being talented. Um, I've just written them off because I've been waiting, yeah, you know, that three or four years for them to put it together. You know, like could four years ago could Daniel Saifidi become Payne Haas? Well, he might have. You know, he's got the talent, he's got the size, but he never really ever got towards that type of consistency. And Payne Haas is a bad example because he's probably the best, but there's other guys too that have kind of gotten there, you know? No, 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 I know what you mean. There's there's, there's nothing physically about the Saifidis. There's no physical reason that they are, say, this is, I know he's a much better player, but like a Warrior Hargraves physically, there's no reason for him to be better than the Saifidis mm. other than that he is. He's just consistent and aggressive and does it every game and takes it personally. And the Saifidis have very good games, but they don't, give you 17 good games a year, they give you five. That's right. Like they're physically at the level of anyone. You don't want them to be any bigger or stronger. But that's what's frustrating. And the problem is there's two of them, right? So you've got two of those guys that you're yeah. sort of relying on as your big fellas there that have talent, have the, have the size and everything, but they both do the same thing where they don't have that consistency. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they put it all together and they were great, but the problem is yeah. I've been waiting four years and to me I've just waited long enough now. I'm like, well, what other guys do they have here that can actually get this forward pack together? And maybe there's some young guys that can come and sort of spur it on a little bit. Leo Thompson's an interesting one. He hasn't put it all together yet, obviously, yet, but he could be in for a big season. I'm going to talk about him too. Uh, I do want to talk about Supercoach numbers, though, and I said earlier on a podcast, I never say guys are a must-have. Um unless they're like real cheap or they've got huge value. I said today that Nico Hines is a must-have. Um, and I tell you what, I, I'm not going to say it about Caelan Ponga because he's been a bit flaky throughout his career and he's a bit injury-riddled, so I can't say he's a must-have. But I will say he was the first fullback I picked in my side and I had no thoughts of any other fullback picking. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. He's 892000 so he's very expensive. Coming off 87 points per game, people might say that that's a career season and he's going to regress. Um, I don't think he's going to go below 80s. And for me, even if he regresses slightly, you pay for those sort of points because it's it's elite. And when I look at his numbers, uh, I can actually see value there for him to play worse and and still be um, really good. He's started off last season playing 69 minutes for 72 points, but I think he got knocked out that game. The second game, he definitely did because he only played two minutes for one point, and that's where you get immense value. His first game back, he got injured and only played 53 minutes. That's three games there that are reduced from his 80 minutes. Um, and he also started up until round 13, all those first half games at number six, where admittedly he was nowhere near as good. Now, when you have a look at when he hit his traps in the number one jersey, you know, rounds 11 to 18, he averaged 94 points. And then rounds 19 to 26, he averaged 110. And all those were basically full games, aside from some 67-minute ones where he actually got rested. He also didn't goal kick until round 18. He didn't didn't kick, so he actually didn't kick for his first... Well, he kicked for less games than he... Um, well, there's that as well, yeah. He kicked for about the same amount of games that he didn't. It was about half and half. I can't add him up one by one here, but it was close enough that he basically didn't kick for half a season. Yeah. So so when you, you have those factors in there, Luke, like my argument against anyone leaving him out is that even if he regresses and he doesn't get the scoring stats that he had because they're really high, and I mean, he scored some good tries as well, but I mean, he's going to do that. But even if, you know, the Knights attack falls over and goes to the first half of last season... He can just about make up for that by goal kicking all year and also not getting hurt. Now, I know not getting hurt is going to be hard for him, but, you know, he he managed to basically do it from round eight onwards last year. So maybe he's turned that corner. But to me, I I just think that I can't lose with him. Like, to me, his worst case looks like it's going to be seven points under, which is still going to be 80 points a game. Uh, Now, obviously, other things can happen and other factors, but... 
I just can't not pay for that. And that's without looking at the draw. Yeah, and the draw is really good. So it is feasible that the the last third of last season where he had a good draw, where he's putting 180 points on the Bulldogs, where he put 137 points on the West Tigers, where he went back-to-back tons of 122 and 121 versus the Raiders and the Dolphins, all these teams he's playing in that first couple months or so of footy, you know, he didn't actually score below 90s for his final eight games of the season. Like it was 90 plus aside from one game of 77, sorry. So seven out of eight games to finish the season, he was 90 plus and the other one was 77. There's just no way in the world I can leave a goal like that out with that draw. And all the numbers say to me, there might even be value in there still. Yeah, it's possible. It's um, I'm starting him, just to be clear. Like, I won't be leaving him out. No intention of leaving him out. Um, but if you want devil's advocate on it, uh, if I can read you his other season scores, in 2022, he played 14 games. Oh, I'm not interested <laughs> in other seasons, mate. Sorry, but I don't, I don't <laughs> he, want to know about those. He averaged 50 in 14 games. Um, in 2021, he averaged 68. 2020, 80. And then 2019, 68. 2018, 65. Um, which is his whole night's career. So just like by way of can, comparison, um, you go to, say, Turbo. Last year's the only time, apart from a year where Turbo played five games and still averaged 67. Um, Turbo has never averaged less than Caelan Ponga, apart from last season, like ever. Um, and you could probably say the same thing about – I would have to check this, so but you could probably say the same about Tedesco. Um since Latrell went to fullback, he's probably had better numbers overall than Ponga than Ponga actually has in the last couple of seasons. I'm taking Ponga. I think you're right. But Caelan's never done this consistently. He's 25. I think he will. I think that there's a suggestion that to use a really big sort of trope in rugby league, the penny did drop last year. I think it, 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 he felt different with the way he carried himself off the field and the way he interacted with the sort of the crowd and, and everything suggested that he kind of has really taken a step from a young guy who's been paid a lot of money and knew how good he was to someone who's really burning to play well um, and he looks fit and strong, so I'll be doing it. But, you know, he came to the Knights, nearly won the Dally M in his first season and came out and sort of dropped off quite a bit. He had averaged 80 in 2020 uh, and then came out and did 68 and 50. So if he if he can, there'll be a real. I'll tell you what. If we get around three or four, and he's put together a couple of forties, and Newcastle aren't winning, there will be a really big decision to make on whether you have to cut bait for other fullbacks that we can rely on, or whether you're going to trust he comes good. So I, I I'm taking him. I think it'll be good. But everyone does tend to forget everything that didn't just happen. We come into a new season, and you remember the turbo average 140, and everyone's like, you've got to start him, and we were saying you don't. Um, Ponga's not in that conversation because he's not priced at 140, but it, it just what happened last year doesn't always happen again, and we're seeing a pretty long body of work that he has had difficulties being consistent. Oh, no, it's a it's a fair call. I, I will say two out of the last four, he's beaten Turbo in 2020, average 80. In 2020. Yeah, that's the one Turbo was injured, yeah. So Turbo only played five games there. But yeah, uh, any other season. Oh, the, the one that Turbo was sorry. injured, sorry. <laughs> the one, the one, it's the only one he played single. <laughs> I don't want to make yeah, fun of that. I was about to, but I'll, I'll he's the it. only one where Turbo's played single digits. That's like, so presumably, you know, that's a little skewed. Every other one he has. You know, it's just a point that he's 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 not like a Tedesco or a Turbo or like uh, in the old days, like your Jonathan Thurston's and stuff that were just punching 80 averages or clearing out. Mm. You just know we'll actually do that again. Um, but we can say hand on heart, you know, 
whether they're the best option this year is debatable, but we just know they're going to be X amount of good. There's a floor and it's high. And a bad season's been the third best fullback. Caitlin's like bad season was averaging 50, wouldn't have been in the top eight fullbacks. So I'm taking him. I'm co- I am relatively confident. He looked, he looked good in the trial. He, he looks good to go. But, you know, um, as, far, as far as putting him in Cleary and Hines and those guys, he's the one I'm most concerned about. Oh, look, I think that 100% I'm, I'm happy with Hines backing up. I mean, I don't think that Cleary won't back up. And I do think that those are the top few players in the game. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the best super coach options, like the guy at the best in the game. If you're putting him in that category, which I do, he's the one I'm most concerned isn't just automatically going to spit that out every year. Yeah. Um, there's guys I know I trust will be around the mark that's going to be five points lower, five points higher. His mark is he could be 20 points lower or he could get a bit higher, but he's got more variance than a lot of those top guys where I know, you know I'm pretty confident if Turbo doesn't get hurt, it's going to be either great or pretty good not disappointing, whereas Kalen, you know, it can be I can't believe that I'm more confident on Kalen than you because I, I don't think, um, I can't see a world where he's... I've watched, I've just seen the Knights play before, it, but it's, it's a long time. It's I've the fair Kalen point as well. But, uh, I, I can see him being seven points under um, and still, yeah, that's going to be an 80. But I, I'm taking him. I, I'm not talking people out of it. I'm, I'm taking him. I think If the draw wasn't as good, um, I would be more worried about paying it. Um, and but the draw is the thing that really gets me across the line because he's just really good for that first eleven rounds. And if it wasn't, then maybe I could see him doing. Like I still don't think he'll do bad. Like I could see him doing, you know, a sixty-eight or something like in twenty twenty-one if he struggled a bit with the draw and stuff and it wasn't clicking. But th- there is just too many things with that draw where I just can't see him not having some big games. It's it's good to play devil's advocate because one hundred percent I haven't believed in Caelan Ponga before, but. I do think I I feel like he's turned a corner, and I think that we saw it through a, pretty much a whole season. Like it did, it wasn't working for him at six, and when he moved to one, you know, it, it did, and that's his natural position, and it's worked. Um, and the other thing too that I'll say is that I think that he's he's got a team around him that's clicking for him in in a few ways. But the biggest thing for me is that he's twenty five years old, um, and to me, I can write off someone when they're twenty two, twenty three, and twenty four, and say they're, they're super disappointing and. I'm not happy to invest in him yet. But if I can see him at 25, turn it around, that's a natural time for someone to actually put it together. So I think that it all comes together that he has actually clicked a little bit. But if anyone wants to leave him out, um, there is some good fullbacks around. I don't actually think anyone's near Ponga myself personally for this year. I've got Ponga one, and I'm always deciding on who that number two is. And if people want to argue with me that it's turbo, I'm not going to argue with it. If you want to say drink water, I'm not going to argue with it. He finished second to Ponga last year. If someone wants to say Gartho because the run he went on and his draw is better than the other guys, I'm not going to even argue, but I know you will. So I'm going to cut you off right now because we're going to talk about Greg Marju. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) King Gartho, Greg Marju, 77 (laughs) points per game. Um, I think one of the good things with Greg is I think that we all thought that he was going to do what he did last year. Um, he's going to come in at super expensive now at 789000 That's really risky to pay that for a centre wing. And one of my big calls this offseason is I've got him in my team and I'm 90% going to stick with it. And one of the reasons is I've just basically decided that there's enough cheaper guys in front row and second row forward where I, I need to spend in centre wing because we're not going to get enough. And I don't want to play these guys. Like I was talking last week about playing some of these Raiders guys if they got a spot and copying a nine-point game and stuff. We know with Greg, he's got the 29 base attack and the 32 raw base. He's got a 61 raw base, uh, sorry, base attack last year. 
that's a really good floor. Uh, and he's also quite the try scorer. He actually scored in every game he played, bar six of them last year. So he scored in 48 out of his 20 games and had had multiple doubles, including two hat-trick games. Uh, he had a top score of 138 points, which is big, but he, he started the season last year, Luke, with two back-to-back tons, and the third one that wasn't a ton was a 92. You know, I am very worried to leave someone like him out. He is a, my justification, and I want you to play devil's advocate with this, in starting him at such an insane price point, is to me, I feel like that I've got a forward in my center wing anyway. You know, if you're playing 700s for a forward that you know is just a gun and one of the top ones, you do it because you know that your floor is so low. Um, your floor is so high, sorry. 70% of the time last year, Greg went 60 plus. That is great for a winger, insane, but it's pretty much what you get with the top forwards as well. So I, I'm quite comfortable with it when I look at the draw. Um, and when you have a look at some of the points that he's thrown on last year, I just I think that he's going to be really low owned because of his price point. And I think that I can make up with that money by spending it frugally in second row and in front row. So that's basically what I've done. I know it sounds crazy. Do you want to try and talk me off the, the Greg Marzio train in the centre wing for round one? No, not really. I, I'm not doing it, but I wouldn't talk you out of it. The, the thing with paying the price is that uh, if he was a forward, you wouldn't pay that because he's going to average that. But with a back, if you really like the draw, it doesn't kind of – it's obviously a bigger concern, but with his – he can put tons on, so he can outscore that. He's not going to outscore that average, I believe, over a season. But, or, you know, he could do similar, but he's not going to come out and score seven or eight points better than that. But he can do that for a few weeks and because he can score tries, um, like a forward. So he can, you know, Payne Hash probably comes out and averages the same, everything being even, whereas Mahi could get two doubles in two weeks and he could average 120 for three or four weeks and you get a big head start. And the best bit about that is that um, – everyone then scrambles to get him in. So when he does have his 35, everyone else gets it too. So you kind of get a double win. If someone comes out that hard, everyone else will get him in because they go, oh, you can't be without him. He's, he's, he's un- unplayable. And then you'll, you'll kind of get a the, the, the flip side that he kind of gets higher owned for the low scores later. So I, I could see it because the draw is there and he won't go poorly. Um, maybe if I was going to talk you out of it, it's his second season at the club. He got those two tons off being left out of the first three games of the year. So he came to the club, didn't he got made to earn it the hard way and kind of came in and had to shove around. Oh, imagine if Adam O'Brien left him out at the start of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, I think he's fairly safe now, but it's um he got left out and got made to earn it, which I was very critical of at the time, but I, I do accept that you know, that might have worked a little bit, but he came out stinging and really made to earn a spot and he did earn it. So he signed a couple of year contract now. He will get in the team automatically. So if he's five percent less off, maybe he's not as dialed in to prove his spot, and he won't come out and go one twenty two, one hundred two, ninety two. But th- that's really just being narky. At the end of the day, he's standing outside Bradman Best, who draws a lot of people in and, and is good at setting up tries, makes a lot of breaks. He's off Ponga, who enough said, and 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 Hastings is pretty good over in that edge as well at setting them all up for space. So he's going to have opportunity to score tries and he's going to make a lot of runs. And if he's a bit sore, a bit not busting as many tackles, he's still going to make a lot of runs um, and he's going to score. So I'm not doing it. It's probably a bit too much for me because it's just other guy. I want to have two gun fullbacks, two gun halfbacks. Um, I probably need a gun 5'8 because I can't find anyone that's not a gun that I 
can justify having. So it's kind of, I can't make it work, but I, there's no way I took you out of it. There's every chance he could average 120 for a couple of weeks early on, and then you get a really big head start on the comp. And if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be a disaster. It just will be kind of underwhelming, you know, like he comes out and puts 40 in base twice, scores one try, has 70 and 240s. It's not going to end the season. It's solid points, and you can make a call on what to do after that. But he, he'll be relevant this year, no doubt about it on that edge for the Knights. That's real, that's sort of the Alex Johnson spot at Newcastle. You've been on the left wing with Kalen in there. He scored 22 in 22 games. That's where you want to be, especially with Young gone. They've got no target on the other side. They're going to have to go there. Yeah. Well, I was going to say to you, yeah, that was my question. If they're going to start Twala there, like, and Young scored 25 tries, like, surely they can't go away from Greg. In, in, if anything, they, they'll go to him more. Yeah, that's where Ponga likes to go. That's where... Um, Hastings works well with back rowers. He has a very, very good way of holding the ball up for his second rower in a way that, that kind of just gets Kalen floating behind and opens everything up. There, there will just be a lot of opportunities there. Um, and there doesn't need to be more. It's only got to be the same. And they're certainly not going there less. Well, I spoke about him going 60 plus 70% of the time. 55% of the time, he actually went 70 plus. Yeah. So, so more than half the time, he's elite scoring. It was just. You're not going to. Reg- I, I don't see a world where you regret that, honestly. He'd have to get hurt or have just decided that he doesn't want to play anymore. It's better not to be good. He's just. He's a, like just a yeah. gun. And he was, he was before he was at the Knights. So I suppose the argument against the second year and all that thing is he's never not been a gun. He just hasn't got picked. The super coach, I mean, like he's just never not been this good. He's been this good at super coach his whole career. He just doesn't get, wasn't ever picked for a season before. Yeah, and that's why I don't see it as a huge outlier season because we've all been waiting for this for several yeah. years. You know, he's always had defensive issues and needed to improve in that area and stuff. But even when he's played for the Gold Coast, like like a few years ago, we saw him play like three games and we all wanted him because he was so good yeah. and he got dropped. Yeah. You know, we, we've just been waiting for his opportunity to stick and, and now that it has, we're, we're seeing it. And it's perfect world because he got it out of the best edge that, you know, one of the best edges you could be on in the comp really is outside Ponga on that week. Um, sure to be on outside of Alex Johnson, Fred Cody and those kind of guys. But outside of that, he's got all that work rate and he plopped on one of the best spots to score tries that there is. Even when we were bad, like when the Knights were finishing 13th, 14th, Edric Lee scored five tries <laughs> I remember. in a game. <laughs> but it's just there's points there. There always has been points there when we weren't going Yeah, well. I think one of the things that, worried me a bit uh if i didn't have him he sort of he never really was below 600k so it was one of those things that even if he isn't going that well and you know i'll I'll go okay that was a good decision i'm gonna want him in and it's like when do i do that because i'm gonna have to pay at best 600k probably yeah so it's not that much less than what he's priced at uh you know it is a lot of money for round one but as far as trying to get someone cheap he's never going to be cheap and he never was last year like he fluctuated between Basically, you know, six hundred and seven high sevens. You know, it's it's very hard to get him. And if he goes yeah. bang, then how do you find eight hundred k to bring him in? I just wouldn't be able to do it. And then I'd be really annoyed with myself because he's got a really good draw. He he's going to play that um, first buy round. That's a big one. And it, it, people are going to have him and get these big scores and I'm not going to be able to get him in unless I basically nuff somebody almost or have a cheapie pop up and then get rid of another gun that's really good. So I, I just found it it was easier to start with him than try and get him in later just based on all the numbers and, and what can happen. But certainly, Luke, if he falls over completely too, I, I think anything can always happen in Supercoach. But if he does, you've got a lot of money to play with. Like if you want to do that after losing 50K in round three, You've seen a few games, fine, parachute out and get whoever you want in the game, basically, with your two trades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Agreed. Gagai and Best, we'll put those two together. They both had really good seasons last year. I have to say, I was taken aback by Gagai having a career year at 72 points per game. Um, he's 33 years of... That was the quietest great super coach season ever. Like, nobody talked about it the whole year. <laughs> he had a 40 raw base as a centre. Yeah. A 40 raw base as a centre is ridiculous. 62 base base attack is ridiculous. I just... It is crazy. And he's coming in at a huge price point now. And... I'm just going to write off and say oh, I can't possibly pay that for him because of his age, you know, but he had such a good floor. It was crazy. But then you have someone like Bradman Best who had 60 points per game, um, but I'm more confident in him because he's only 22 years of age, not 32 years of age. And we kind of saw the Bradman Best that we saw in 2020. Uh, we saw his base back up to a 32, a 44 floor with his base base attack. Uh, he didn't actually score that many tries, although he went on a try-scoring spree with a, a triple and scored 152 points versus the Bulldogs. Uh, he did beat up on on pretty average teams, though, and, and like I really liked that. Like he had um, his 152 was against the Dogs, like I said. He also had a, a nice 74-point game, uh, an 84-point game against the Titans at Manly when Manly weren't playing well. Uh, he had a you know not that many other big games though, and that's probably the problem with Bradman. Uh, you see a lot of games where he's in the 30s. Uh, I'm not interested in either of them for Supercoach. Bradman's obviously going to be well over 100K cheaper. Have you looked at either of these nights? Because both of them actually established themselves as having a really good floor last year. No, I haven't. Gay guy very can easily answer that. Um, he averaged 56 in 2022, and then Dom Young scored 25 tries in 25 games, about like 17 of which were Dane Gay guy getting tries for the last pass on them, and good last passes. He, he did quite well with that, and it went to 72. And I would imagine that when you take Dom Young off that wing, that 72 re-becomes 56 because those tip-ons just don't result in some giant behemoth at lightning speed scoring in the corner and flipping over the top of people and stuff. So, um, But go back to what he did at Souths. He averaged 68 in his last year at Souths, but 55 the year before, then 56 at the Knights, then 72. Like, it's all about the attack. Like, he's, he's very consistently going to work hard and he's going to bust tackles um, and put himself in the game. But something needs to go right for a centre to be super, super coach relevant. And that thing last year was probably Dom Young um, in a good team, obviously. We had a good team. We got him opportunities and he got a lot of those and they're going to drop down this year. Um, and Ari Twala is not going to score 25 tries. Um, I've Prove me wrong, Inari. I'm here for it. Like, I would love to eat my hat on that, um, but it's not going to happen. And he'll go back down. So I wouldn't be looking at Gay Guy. If you get to cheap during the year, he's very reliable, so you could look at him, but uh, I don't see it. Uh, I'm not interested in best. Um, just because he's a center, I, I think he's a really good center. And I, I would remind people how many people laugh about him making the Origin team. I'm just going to remind everyone again that that was laughed about <laughs> for him. Uh, I really rate him. I think he can be one of the best centers in the game and he can do it for a long time. He, he works hard, he's very fit. But there's just a there's a cap on centers in Supercoach. And last year was as good as Newcastle are going to play. Like we we might play that well again. I hope we do. We're not going to play better than that. And he averaged 60. He averaged 60 a couple of years ago when he had a very good season. Um, the ball goes down that edge and Ponga will cut him out sometimes. Ponga will go through himself sometimes. Uh, they will hit the second rower sometimes and sometimes they'll hit best. So it's just one of those things. There's a lot of mouths to feed down that edge with the way all teams play, really. And I just don't think enough of the time that he's going to end up with the try assist or the try out of it. He's never going to get the try assist when Ponga hits him and then mm. they hit the winger. Um, and he's, you know, a lot of the time the second row goes through or, the, or, or it gets cut out to Greg. It's just it's what we talk about with Manu. Right? It's just very hard to get centres to, to do enough. 
in Supercoach to, to, to justify it. I, I couldn't see why you'd start with him. And it, that Bulldogs game aside, I, I don't I don't think you want to put good money on him having huge upside that regularly either. I think that'll be a fairly rare event for him to go 120, 130. Yeah, probably the worst stat for him is that like, his, his career of like five years, he's gone from 33 to 43% of the time. Yeah. Over that span as a range going 60 plus. He just doesn't go 60 plus a lot the of the time. The other thing I should add is he's, he's what really caps him a little bit is he last year was looking to work harder, but he never gets the runs out of that end because Greg takes all of them. Like he gets down there and gets oh, on yeah, side yeah, that's and true. Greg, Greg takes them. And they it's if he was playing with a winger that didn't do, like if he was on the other side, I think he'd take a lot more work this year because he actually gets back there and looks for it. But Marky like runs back there and gets on, and they they find him. And anyone else lines up for a hit up, they sort of push them out of the way and say, "Where's Greg?" And give him the ball. Mm. He's he's just not going to get make. You know, you saw it a lot with Karaz last year. Where whoever played with Karaz never had a particularly good base on that side because Karaz would just go in and get the ball, and which is great. But I I just think there's a ceiling there, right? And it's it's not either. Yeah, it's very true. And I will say, like I I think that he might have some value, but it's just not enough value. Like I can see him yeah. going. To 62, 63 points, you know, it's going to be better than his price point, but not enough to get him. Whereas someone like Gagai... I just can't see 70, you know. Nah, that's not going to happen. But yeah. someone like Gagai, like you look at the numbers and go 70% of the time he went 60 plus and two years ago he did it 60% of the time. But he's just, uh, he's only got downside from 72. Like I don't, yeah, I haven't looked at these numbers, but I am pretty confident in saying no no center wingers, uh, no center has ever gone back-to-back seasons to 40 raw base and super coach. I don't think that's ever happened before. And he's managed to do it once, but this is a year that it's not going to happen for him. So if his base drops even to a respectable 35, you know, that brings him down to a 67 average. He's really back down to the pack then. He had an insane 22 base base, uh, base attack as well with his offloads and tackle breaks. 22 a game is fairly unsustainable a lot of the time at his age. It's probably going to get in about 18, 19 if he's very good at it. I can see him going down to a respectable 65, but that's seven points unders for him. And I just can't see him. He'll He'll go... He'll go heaps slower than that. He's just he got a lot of try assists as well. He's, I just, oh, that yeah. I think he'll go heaps slower. Yeah, than and that. I, yeah. I don't believe in in his winger now either, like you said. So, um, but fallen gun wise, Frizzell, he, he's someone who just seems to come up every year because he always presents value. But I've actually said this before, which is pretty mean. Like he keeps presenting value because he's not very good. Uh, and it, it, look, that's in Supercoach, not in real life. I think he's done some good jobs for the Knights, but. 57 and 57 in 2022 and 2023. Um, he's 32 years of age now. Uh, he has played 74 and 73 minutes the last couple of years too for those 57 averages. So it's not like he's got a lot of minutes upside. So, I mean, he is a fallen gun, Luke, but I've got him as staying as a fallen gun. And when you're looking at his numbers last year, I can't really see how he can benefit anymore to, to be a better than 57 average type of player. Um, obviously, Hardly went 60-plus at all over the last two years. He averaged about 38% of the time going 60-plus. For a forward, it's just not worth it. There's better options around that price point. So I'm going to say he's going to remain a fallen gun. Yeah, I don't even know where you look at him. He's, he did a really good job in real life. He actually played really well last year. He's an important part of the team because he's an experienced, good, hard forward. He's tough as, but it's super coach, no. The guy to look at is the other second row forward, who is uh, uh, Dylan Lucas, and that's our rising gun that we're going to talk about. And I want to ask you, because I know that you um, have Paul Pierce potentially um, going there and, and you rate him coming over from Wigan. Uh, I thought Lucas looked pretty good in some of the trials. He's got a couple of tries a couple of weeks ago on one of them. 
He's at 500K, which is a little bit awkward. It's a little bit out of that 400, so a lot of the other mids are priced at, but he does have that center wing eligibility. Uh, we didn't get to see much. He played six games last year, averaging 70 minutes a game, but that was good for a 55 average. Um, and that's you know, a decent sample size to get a bit of a look at him. Obviously, he's a young man and he can improve on that too. I did like that he had a 46 raw base. Um, I mentioned that he scored two tries in that one trial. I do know it's a trial, but he scored none yet in his NRL career. So he does have that ahead of him as well. Uh, what are you seeing for that for that edge battle and how are you seeing, seeing Dylan Lucas as an option? Um, yeah, it's been hard. Uh, yeah, and look, the important thing with him last year was you look at his scores when he played 80 minutes and you go, okay, he got a 31, a 67, a 58, a 95 and a 61. And the key in that is that, Unless, like unless I'm misremembering that. No, I'm just checking. He only scored one try and had no try assists or anything in that. So we're talking, you know, the 31 that happens and then you're talking 67, 58, 95, 61 with one try. They're good scores you put in the centre wing. Um, but my worry all preseason was that they were going to pick Lucas and pick Kai Paul Pierce, who's missed most of the preseason off the bench, and they're going to cannibalize each other, and we don't get either of them because Kai Paul Pierce is very cheap and would be, you know, if he, he had that role, he'd be in all our back rows because he's 330k or something. But um, Lucas was very good in the first game of the preseason, and uh, Kai Paul Pierce was very poor in the second game. And that's not a huge criticism because he, he firstly he looks heavy and he's been out with a foot. He had foot surgery in the offseason, so it's not, you know, he can come back a bit. He doesn't look bad. He just looks not as lean and fit as he did last year. So there's, a, I think he looked a bit underdone, and he let in a very bad try against Melbourne. Um, he got showed and go by um, Pazette really badly. Like, he's come over from English Super League, and the halfback's dummied on him, and he's taken it really badly and they've gone through untouched 20 metres and scored. And O'Brien's a pretty conservative coach. And the more I watch that game, the more I'm starting to think they won't pick Kyle Paul Pierce at all round one. I, I would say 99% sure that Dylan Lucas is going to start. I'd be very surprised if he does not start round one. But I am now 50-50 on whether Kyle Paul Pierce will even be on the bench. Before, I was probably 90% sure he would. And I'm... Pretty 50-50. He was pretty poor. I've had some people say he was all right. He wasn't. He was really bad, and he was bad at the stuff that Adam O'Brien cares about. Adam O'Brien is a kind of old-school, Bellamy, processy kind of coach. I mean, I mean, he's good like Bellamy, but he, he's got that kind of do your parts and your role and you all do this and you've got to do the little stuff. And, like, you know, he picks guys that don't seem as talented as other guys because he wants them to do what these structural things and these little things right, regardless of the talent. And Clyde Paul looked a fair way off it. Um, and they won't cop a lot of heat for that. He won't have to explain it. He can be like, the guy's played 40 minutes coming off a big injury in a new country and hasn't had a preseason. We're going to give him a chance from reserve grade to find his feet. So if that happens, I, I don't think you can not start Dylan Lucas. Uh, you know, Lockie Fitzgibbon looked like the best back row in the world for about six weeks last year playing off Hastings and Ponga with the way they were structuring the play. And he's not. <laughs> so um, Lucas did well when he went in and he looked good in that first game off Hastings. They ran the same plays and they ran them well. He's got good footwork. He's always played. He never played back row till last year. He was a, he was a winger till two years ago yeah. and he played centre. So he's got good feet and he was running the right plays. He was in the right positions and they're running these, they run these kind of structures that kind of make try and make people panic by doing these little variations of what the second rower does and getting Ponga to move around in funny ways to kind of get them guessing. And whoever plays there will get points. And I think 
I will definitely start him if Kai Paul Pierce isn't on the bench, but I thought Kai Paul Pierce was so poor that even if he's on the bench, I'm leaning more and more to try and find a way to get Lucas in because I think there's a chance he still gets 80 minutes and they just find something for Paul Pierce to do to get him in and around the team or that Lucas will at least get 60, 65 minutes because, and I could be wrong, this is only off my take, but Kai Paul Pierce looked not good at the things that O'Brien's going to care about early season, which is polish in defence and being in the right position and those structural things, it looked like he's a little bit off the pace coming over from England and missing the preseason and having surgery. It's the other thing too is that if he's on the bench, like, and they've got, uh, you know, Saifidi, Hetherington, and like Phoenix Crossland, mm. like, none of these front rowers can play big minutes anyway. Like, is there any realm where you can see a Tyson Frizzell, you know, going into the middle or, or Adam Elliott getting spelled by Kai Pierce Paul? Yeah. I, watching the trial, they only played Kai Pierce Paul on the left in that trial. They didn't even play him on the right. I keep yeah. calling him Paul Pierce. I've got no. to get it the right way around. Pierce no, Paul, I Pierce Paul, Pierce Paul. Yeah, I, I've got it wrong a heap of times, but it's Pierce Paul, yeah. Um, uh, he he only played, even when Lucas came back on in the last 20 minutes of the trial and played on the right, which was a bit weird, um, but he only came on because they were tired and the game was over and no one else was on. But Kai Pierce didn't get a lot of minutes. Uh, Kai Pierce Paul, he didn't get a lot of minutes with... Um, he didn't get a lot of minutes with Hastings. They left him off when the main team was on there and they let, mainly left him on with Cogger. And he didn't play any middle minutes, though, at all. And he didn't even go to the other side. So it's just a little bit like if you were going to do that in round one. They, they did a lot of dress, dress rehearsal stuff. Uh, they used Cogger at hooker because they're going to have to do that for a couple of weeks or they want to do that for a couple of weeks. They did a lot of different things that are plan B and they didn't do anything except put him on the left edge. That's the only concern. He came on for Lucas and stayed there. But he just wasn't very good. And O'Brien's conservative. We saw it. We just talked about it. He brought Greg Mosey in and didn't start him for an trial last year because he was like, well, you aren't doing little things in defence I like and I want to see all this stuff to fit in. And he's a conservative coach. And I, I don't know. Fight. It wouldn't be a concern. If Lucas was in the second row, I'd just stick clear of him. But at Sam. If we get him for 500k and we know he's going to be 60, 65 minutes on the ponger edge and we think he might get 80, he's going to be a pretty big consideration. It's If we don't see KPP on that team list um, round one, I think you should, everyone should have him. So he looks good and it's a good spot to be. And he's a hard work. Like, Lucas is really keen to make it. He's one of those guys. He hasn't had it handed to him. He's talented, but he's had to work pretty hard to get there. And he, he's got a bit of upside and he's got a bit of mungo, like a proper bit of rugby league going in where he, he, he wants to rip in. Yeah. Yeah, he, he loves it, yeah. I really, really like the look of him. Really like the look of him. And the fact that they've got that yeah. draw, I've actually shortchanged him saying he hasn't scored. He scored the one try, like you said. But I, I really like the draw. Yeah. And I really like how he played in the trial. And, and he's one of those young guys that could bust out. And with really good draw, you're right, those veterans are going to put him over. And it's going to happen in that first month, I reckon. So I really like having him there and taking a punt that he's going to get 80 minutes. And if he doesn't, I don't not know the downside is. Yeah, it's not second, no. though. It's a different position. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I will say with the guys that we have, like you might even get the, the Bradley play as well, where you can put Bradley in as a second row forward and have Lucas at centre wing and be able to swap those guys if, if Bradley gets a storm start like we're hoping for. But at centre wing, like Brisbane don't have any particularly interesting centre wings for me. Manly don't particularly have any interesting centre wings aside from Gary, who I'm not going to have. Uh, but I understand if people want to get him. Um, 
South's are going to have like a cheap one. I mean, in gay guy, um, and yeah, Burbo's another one, but again, cheap guy. Um, and Roos says, I, I don't want any of the center wings for round one. So, you know, out of those sides that are going to play in Vegas, you know, you're going to have most of your center wing free to have your unlimited trades during the, the rolling lockout. Um, so you can play around with it a lot to be able to get Dylan Lucas in, in your center wing. You're not really, you know, too restricted with all the center wing positions you can play around with. So I, I like him. I'm 90% going to try and fit him in, but we'll talk about some other guys. So before we do move on, how good is rugby league and how good is Picklebet? Official betting partner of the All-Stars podcast in Picklebet. You can go to picklebet.com.au at the moment, sign up for an account today and put All-Stars as your affiliate code or your code when you sign up and they ask you for all your details and that way they'll know that you're one of our listeners and take great care of you. But their NRL markets are off the hook. They've got some great stuff. If you like your racing or anything else, certainly jump on there. Often best odds in market, and when you're having a look at the Roosters, you know you can get them for $2.40 versus the Broncos, so I'm in on that one. Manly Seagulls, $2.04 for outside favourites against South, so that's quite interesting as well. So all the opening round matchups are priced there at the moment, including your same-game multis, which Picklebet has now too. So they are fantastic. Please do jump on and take a look at Picklebet if you do like to have a punt, and certainly always gamble responsibly and also use All Stars as your affiliate code when you sign up. Make sure you think of this a bet that you really want to place for confidential and free support. You can go to 1-800-858-858 and give them a call or go to gamblinghelponline.org.au. Now back to the Newcastle Knights. I'll just say the controversial take, but it's not really. I think it's a mistake if anyone looks at the Saifidis again. I think that we've seen too much supercoach mediocrity for a number of years. Um, I've, I think it's for a couple of years until last year, I was actually saying to you, there's some really good option there for one of them if um, you know Jacob gets an extra five minutes, which he projects to, blah, blah, blah. It just hasn't come up and it just hasn't worked. Uh, are you in agreement that we just sort of can't even look at them now and it's a bit of a mistake to put those, them in at this stage? No, they're not super coach players. And, um, I get critical of them and then defensive of them at other times because they, they, they have, do have good games, but not from a super coach point of view. They, they find your front, front rollers. Like, they're big and athletic people, and we sort of think you should do spectacular things. But what they do when they play well is they get their bumper bars up. They don't knock you away. They bump you backwards and roll on top of you and play the ball with their elbows. That's what they do well, and it's not a super coach. That's not a super coach thing. You want people to bust tackles and offload. Um, if they get more minutes, it often their PPM goes a bit down because they just kind of hold a bit more, and their, their job is to find their front and play the ball. That's what they do. They run straight in a straight line, and they play the ball fast. That's a good game for them. When they play well, I still don't think it's going to translate. So um, the last guy that we're going to spend any time on before we quickly finish up on the mids and cheapies, which is only a couple of, is Adam Elliott. Uh, I got him as a pod because I don't think that he's going to get into the 10% plus ownership with all of the other cheaper secondary forward options. He's averaged 51 last year. That was across 53 minutes, 54 the year before across 52. I think that the prevailing factor for him that people are hoping for is at 517000 he's cheap and going to be underpriced for someone who might get big minutes. Uh, I have seen people talk about, you know, how they're hopeful that he's going to get like 65 minutes a game. He did have a year in 2021 playing 75 minutes a game and he only went up to 55 average, but a lot of that was on the edge, obviously playing at 13. It's a different factor. Um, he had a really disrupted start to last year. Uh, although he still played pretty reasonable minutes, um, he didn't score very well. Then when you have a look at the back end of the year, uh, he was a little bit better scoring 55 a game. Really not on the Adam Elliott train, but Luke, I need you to talk to me about it because I never have been. Like I've never really seen as much appeal as some people have. And no matter how I sort of slice the minutes and scenario, I 
don't think he's going to get 65 minutes, but even if he does, he may not have a huge amount of upside. And he's a guy that's obviously, you know, completely relying on base. He didn't have any tries last year uh, and he managed to still play 16 games. I'm not big on him, but at 517,000, uh, if he gets a heap of extra minutes at 13, maybe he becomes a bit pod territory and he has shown a work rate in spurts at Canberra where he's put up some big scores over a, a shorter period. Uh, how do you see his role and how that translates for Supercoach for his scoring? Yeah, so the only reason you could see an uptick in minutes on last year uh, on the back half was the first half he was coming back from a bad injury and it was disrupted. So he didn't play well when he came back, and that's understandable. He had a, like, I don't know if you have had a groin injury, but they're very unpleasant. <laughs> they're not easy to come back from. So, But when he came back and started to really settle into his role, we're seeing at the end of the year, you know, he was playing 47, 42, 58, 67, 44, 69, 50 minutes. What you see there with the variance is that whenever we kind of didn't need him on the field, they did get him off pretty quickly because he was a kid, quite important to how they play. He's the only forward who ball plays, so they, that is important. The only reason you could see him doing more than that this year is because Kurt Mann isn't on the bench and there's going to be an actual half or hooker utility. Like it'll either be Braley and Crossland or it's going to be Crossland and um, Cobb. So there's not – Mann was playing lock minutes. So the only reason you could say, okay, there, there might actually be 10 to 15 minutes of middle time to go around to someone. Um, but I don't I, – I think it will only be Adam Elliott in close games. I think he'll play it when they need him to. But O'Brien's kind of – when the game's over, he kind of like – does try to give some minutes to the to your Heverington's and that they don't usually get them and to get those other guys off the field, which makes sense if you're going to rely on them all year. So I don't think it'll hold up, but that would be your argument for it. But not in second row. He just doesn't have the upside. The, the Knights are using him as a passing forward. He's the, the only middle forward they've got who passes the ball cleverly um, or sensibly and can distribute, and they use him that way, and that's not good for Supercoach. Uh, if he was available at prop, I'd be, you know, I probably wouldn't do it, but he, he kind of fits that role that you were talking about of guys that would get your 50s. I could see that. Um, if he kept his, if they gave him a hooker eligibility, because he actually did come on and play hooker once last year, I'd be very interested at hooker and solving a problem as my second hooker. But um, no, I, I just think that he'll be a guy that he played well for Newcastle last year. I hope he's good this year. He's going to be a guy who only hit in the 50s his whole career, I would imagine. Yeah, I agree. Two mids to finish up on. Uh, Leo Thompson, you mentioned how good he looked uh, in the off season. And I agree, like I've seen a lot of good things from him. Um, I'm not sure yet whether it's going to translate to Supercoach. He's a front rower who's 458000 That's an okay amount to pay if you're pretty confident, but uh, 45 points a game in his 47 minutes last year. I just, I guess, Luke, for you, can he play more minutes? Because, I mean, 55 would be ideal, and 55, you're going to get a good uptick. But the way I kind of see it as well is when you're going through his numbers, um, he had a a heap of games that he started last year, but he also had a heap where he actually played minutes in the 50s. And aside from the one where he scored a try, like he sort of played between 51 and 58 minutes. And those scores were like 48, 46, uh, and then a bit higher sometimes at 50 and 57, but basically averaged out to about 50 points. And that's only about five points worth of value. So at five points worth of value, is it worth it a front row forward to take the risk that he can actually get minutes in the low to mid fifties, you know, and I'm not sure that he can with that team that they've named. So I like the eye test. Um, he can improve because he's so young. And if he does, he's going to be well on my radar, but for round one, I just, I'm not sure I can see the opportunity for him to consider. No, not for super coach. Uh, in real life, he's one of the most underrated, become one of the most underrated forwards in the comp. Cause I think he actually has the ability to be one of the best 
forwards going around. He bet he played like five games of rugby league when he came to the Knights. And in the first season, they had to razz him because he knew so little about rugby league coming over that he let a ball bounce in the end goal and go dead because he didn't realize it was a dropout. Like that's how little he knew. Because he went he, he signed with Canberra, played a few games in New South Wales Cup and then COVID and everything disrupted his actual playing of it. He played inside centre and stuff like that in rugby. So he hadn't even played the forwards like over there. And um he has so much ability in, in real life. He reminds me a lot of a uh, and this is super coach relevant. He reminds me a lot of what Fisher Harris does for Penrith on a, obviously a much lower sort of budget level. Uh, he's that sort of player where it's meat and potatoes, but it's good. Like it's aggressive running and it's aggressive tackling, but you don't get more points in super coach because it was a really good hard run that was nine meters as opposed to a, you know, a slow run over nine meters and you don't get more points for tackling hard. Um, I think he's a really, he's probably the best forward already in the Knights team. I thought he was outstanding. Uh, for New Zealand in months, very good company, and he stood out in the All-Stars as well. And I could really see him becoming a guy in a few years people talk about as a really elite front rower, but not in Supercoach. I think he's more likely to be an elite front rower in the Lee Otter or, or Fisher-Harris sense where they just make their 120 metres with really good runs and carries and set a platform, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do what Payne Haas does and it doesn't do what the old Andrew Fafita does because he doesn't have that sort of game. He's a guy who makes good, hard, aggressive runs and tackles him. Yeah, that's that's good comparisons with like the Leotas and the Fisher Harrises and stuff. I seem like that as well. I don't mean he's that good, obviously, by the way. Like I don't obviously I'm not comparing him to I wouldn't say two nights crazy, but I mean that sort of style is what his upside is becoming like that. Mm, not... And he's one of those young guys that I'm talking about stepping up to. Like I mentioned Lucas, but Leo Thompson's another young guy that can step up and improve that forward yeah. pack as well if he can. He's a good player. He's a good player. I, I really like him. Jaden Braley I've really liked, but he's played eight, five and one game. Uh, it's eight and five games the last two years. And he comes in at a three hundred thirty thousand dollar price point now because he's so heavily discounted. And I think that everybody put him in as their second hooker and just loved it. But he's already had a a leg injury. Uh, what was it? A strained um, hamstring, hammy, which is not a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a great sign. And that's the thing. That's a problem with leg injuries and stuff. You can get these reoccurrences of injuries and things that keep happening. Um, at three hundred thirty thousand, like he's not going to play eighty straight up, and that was almost always my worry with him. I will say though, I am starting to gravitate towards just going. You know what? Like, if I don't think any of these other cheap guys are going to play eighty anyway, rather than play pay for someone like a cheese, do I just go? I'll, I'll just accept forty five, fifty minutes from Braley to start. With. I don't think he'll be in the team. No, I don't. Not he might be, but I don't think. I, I don't think that people should assume he'll get picked next week. He hasn't played either trial. He wasn't fit to play two weeks ago, and he hasn't played for a year and a half. He hasn't trialed coming off an ACL and the year before off an Achilles and the year before an ACL. I'm not convinced he's going he, to... He, not only won't get 50 minutes, he may not be at all. So if he doesn't, surely that doesn't keep him out for too long. Like, is it going to be a strategy where you can go, you know, I, I know he's going to be back in maybe two or three weeks and I just throw him there because I'm probably going to want him later on? Um, or do you think that's a little bit too cute to be doing even at 3.30? Well, he will get back. Yeah, he he will play this year. Like I'm not suggesting he's fallen out of the the team. He may play next week, but he I think he'll start with very low minutes because um, they don't need to. Like he, the talk about people thinking Crossland's gone past him is insane. He's a much better player than Crossland, but they still don't need to play him 50 or 60 minutes when Crossland has. They they went on a 10 game winning streak with Crossland and went into week two of the finals. Like they don't need to risk Braley, who they want all year, to, to, to give him extra minutes at the start. So if he plays, it will be really low minutes, but there's a reasonable chance that the, the trouble is yeah. he doesn't play at all. 
Will he come in? Yeah, but but geez, can you can you pick a guy at three thirty k if they're not picked? Um, because he could go to a reserve grade and do his ACL. Like he's done it. <laughs> like, like I don't mean that meanly, but he hasn't got through. Um, uh, he hasn't got a good couple of years. He, he at Cronulla, he played more games for Cronulla um, in in his career than he has at Newcastle, and he's actually been at Newcastle for like two more seasons or something. He played 18, 23, 23, and then came to Newcastle and played 2, 22, 8, 5 um, in four seasons versus three. So he's played like almost half the games in an extra season. It's mental because it's just no one's fault. Like, like he, he didn't have an injury history and he came here and has been a really likeable guy and worked really hard and just never managed to play. But it, it's... um. He won't put if you need a hooker to play at any point early. He's not going. To, he's not going to score points. You're going to want him to put in your team. He might even just hold value for a while. I think eventually, yeah, he'll get 50, 60 minutes at hooker. But I don't think they'll. I, I suspect they will never play him eighty again because they're going to have Cogger or it'll be Crossland. But they will either have Crossland or Cogger on the bench. Um, and the other guy they can use is also the young guy coming through is also uh, Riley Jones is also a hooker. So there's no utility that they're going to use that doesn't play dummy half and. I think the days of him playing 80 or anywhere near it is they're not going to risk it anymore because they just go, we've got this guy, he's a good hooker and we're not going to put that mileage in him and miss him for another season with these injuries. We're even, we'll play him 40 or 50 or what 55 and, and be done with it. I don't think he can start him. If he's picked, I'm still, I'm not going near him even if he, if he starts. Well, it's really unfortunate for Braley because he's shown some good signs. He's a good player and he's a nice guy. Like I think he's really likable and really works hard. And he's just it, it, some guys just they just get hit with this for no reason. Hey, like this year. Uh, I'm going to blame Caelan Pogger. He just gave it to him, and um, now he's a he's got all the yeah. injury luck. But he averaged between 58 and 59 for three years in a row. Um, it was just it's just unfortunate how it's unfolding. Good player. Look, that is the Newcastle Knights, uh, Luke. It was a monster podcast. Really appreciate you putting the time aside to to jump on and um, and talk Knights and Roosters with me. Good luck with your selections for this week. I know they'll be probably as hard as my ones because now that I've seen even just part of the TLT, I'm sweating. So <laughs> good luck. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I'll be on it every day for the rest of the week, just tinkering around, getting ready for Sunday. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you can catch Luke on the um, the Rugby League Cemetery podcast when there's some episodes up for that one and they talk about old games and stuff and review them and it's a lot of fun to listen to. So do look out for that for this one. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, subscribe on there. You get the episode straight away uh, and hit up our sponsors and partners as well. Betting partner of the All Stars podcast is Picklebet. Your code, affiliate code when you sign up is All Stars and oneworldcourier.com.au if you've got a business yourself or you just work for one no matter how small or big they can handle all of your shipping needs for you 100% go on there sign up with them and put uh, where you heard from them just tick other and put all stars in the box there they'll know that you came from us and give you some of the best rates you can find so thanks very much for listening everyone good luck with your teams good luck tinkering ahead of the Vegas games I will be going to the Sydney Vegas on Sunday at the Star. I look forward to seeing a lot of people there, including a lot of the other podcasters and stuff. So it should be huge fun. Uh, still got a couple of episodes to come out this week. So listen out for those ones. Until then, thanks very much for listening once again. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Hey.